everybody. Welcome back to the very last episode of Bitch Breathe. I'm Ricardia, and I'm a little bit sad today because, like I said, this is the last episode. It's been almost three years and 90 episodes that I've produced. I hope that there has been some help and some laughter and some good advice in these episodes for you. I have certainly learned a lot possibly more than you have, very selfishly, about all things breakup and issues that we women deal with on a day-to-day basis. We talked about feminism, female anger, women in business, lots of breakup episodes, lots of episodes about relationships in general, about being a mother, and it's been quite a ride. I've enjoyed it so much. I've enjoyed all my guests that I had on the pod. Thank you to all of them for being there and sharing their time and wisdom with me, with us. And at this point, I also want to thank you, my listeners, who have been so faithful and so encouraging about taking on this journey. I have had so lovely feedback from you over the years and some really good questions that actually prompted more episodes on some of the stories that I told here. So thank you for that. In my last episode before this one, I read from my book, which is now available on Amazon Kindle. I'll put the link in the show notes. The book is called The Breakup Call. I worked on it for about two years And a lot of what I talked about in the podcast actually happens in this book also. It's a funny book. I hope it's a helpful book. It's the kind of book I would have needed through many of my breakups because it doesn't just help you in an emotional way and the emotional fallout of breakups and making two out of what was one before, if you will. But it also gives some very concrete and specific logistic advice. And that's where I really felt I needed that help and where I think this book will serve. Because whether you're going through a divorce, whether there's custody battles, is there any dispute over who lives where, whatever it is, I hope to have covered it in the book and to walk you through those very difficult phases step by step. I also scoop you up a little bit earlier for those of you who maybe are not sure yet, is it time to break up or should I be giving this another go? At the beginning of the book, I give some prompts, some questions that you can ask yourself to see where you are in that process. Maybe it's not time to go yet, or maybe it's time to reinvent the relationship. Another question I ask is, does an infidelity necessarily have to lead to a separation? Where do the kids live when this happened? How do you explain these things to children, to your family, to anyone who is on the periphery also affected by your separation? So do let me know what you think. I hope you will review. I hope you will enjoy the book on Amazon Kindle. Again, I will put the link in the show notes. And I look forward to your feedback. Write to me at ricardia at thebreakupcall.com. Alrighty, enough of that. Now we get to the actual book. And I picked a part about toxic relationships. In the last episode, if you care to hop back onto that one, I talk about infidelity. And I will also be reading from the book, by the way, just remembering this now. I am in Berlin. So if you happen to be here also, then I'm happy to maybe see you at one of those readings. As the dates roll in, I will be sure to post that everywhere on Instagram and all those fun places. All right, for real now, let's get to it. 
Chapter 4, The Breakup Call, Reading the Writing on the Wall Everything about breaking up seems hard at first, whether you longed for the end of this relationship or you dreaded its arrival. Whichever scenario it is for you, this is a good time to get a feel for the person you're separating from. Yes, you may have known each other for a long time, but you don't know this person when they are leaving or when you are leaving them. You haven't traveled down this road with each other before. The breakup will change both of you. These changes can be gradual or they can hit at lightning speed. Reading the signals correctly will determine how the next few steps will be taken. If you both are the calm, conscious, and collected types, you may have only, in quotes that is, grief and logistics to worry about. But what if you are not? What if one or both of you is beginning to change their tone or the whole breakup narrative? You'll know something is afoot. I mentioned earlier, earlier in that book that is, um, that I'd be getting to some of the more toxic breakup varieties. There is so much I could write about just this kind of romantic relationship, if we want to call it that, that I won't nearly be able to cover all the ground here. What I do hope to address, however, is how to know you are in a toxic relationship and how to get out of one. What I've learned is that when you leave this kind of lover or they are leaving you, different rules apply. As a result, leaving will require you to think and act much more strategically. So, who is this mystery character I allude to? You may have guessed it by now. I speak, of course, of the ubiquitous narcissist. Because the term is used at an alarming rate these days, I'm going to spend some time trying to figure out what narcissistic behavior actually is, rather than labeling a person or a particular type of person. And I'm going to skip a little bit here. I talk a little bit about the them and us and how it doesn't necessarily serve us to think of a person as just narcissistic and us the fodder or the victim of that scenario. Also, there's a very good chance that it's not always that binary. Maybe we have narcissistic aspects we haven't thought of. Maybe they're just being selfish and not really a narcissist at all. So not that selfishness is not a bad thing also, but just to sort of become a little softer around the edges of the terminology we have started to use just a few years ago. Because as soon as we harden around the jargon, and there's a lot of jargon out there, we harden around ourselves, around the situation, and of course, around the other person. And even though there is something to be said about hardening towards a narcissist, yes, but that's not the kind of hardening I'm going to be speaking of in the book. It's more like this dichotomy of them and us. I didn't feel in my own very personal experience that it served me so well because it made me powerless. It made me the victim and the other person with all the power. Not so helpful. But we'll get to that in the book, so I hope you buy it and uh, find it helpful. So now I'm going to talk about uh, what I thought was very narcissistic behavior. And the subtitle of this part is, Look at me, I'm everywhere and everyone. When you search the term narcissist on Instagram these days, you get dozens of accounts such as narcissist survivor or how to kill a narcissist or my personal favorite, narcissist apocalypse. I was shocked when I first realized just how many seem to be out there. Is this a silent pandemic, maybe? Possibly not as deadly as the one we've just faced, but even more widespread? 
After I left my suspected narcissist, I was suddenly finding the word and literature everywhere. It felt like I didn't know a single person who hadn't dated a narcissist. We've got plenty of glamorous and frightening role models, past and present. These are just the guesses by a layperson, meaning myself. Johnny and Amber, Frida and Diego, Kanye and Kim, and probably most CEOs worldwide. It's not just the sheer omnipresence and number of narcissists living active and healthy lives these days. It's that they all seem to act in identical ways. After months of poring over all the information I could get my hands on, I wondered, is there a narcissist manual? Is that why they all behave the same way? It was crazy to me just how repetitive and actually unimaginative their approaches could be. Surely they couldn't all be like that. They could. It was almost comical to realize I had walked into almost every single trap laid out for me and the results were disappointingly predictable. I learned just how much can go wrong when leaving a narcissist who isn't ready to let you go. It requires even more specialized skill, deliberation, toughness, determination, and self-empathy than I ever thought I could muster. But before we get into it now, and into the how, let's take an even closer look at the who. And here's where I distinguish between two narcissists. Keep in mind, this is a bit of a funny way of doing it. And later in the book, I do mention that there are much more serious outgrowths of the very mean narcissist. So just so you know, I'm not trying to make this banal or even meaningless. It's just my way of dealing with these things. Alrighty, two of a kind. My highly anecdotal and subjective studies of this group allowed me to categorize them into two main types, negligent and friendly, charming and malicious. In one of our many conversations on the subject, the psychologist friend I just mentioned corrected my categorized way of thinking. This is my best friend I mentioned earlier. She's a psychologist. And she said, dear, there are no friendly narcissists because the only thing narcissists can see is themselves. I yield to her expertise, of course. Still, I wanted to discern between the two, though, because one is more cruel than the other. And that felt like an important distinction to make because it will decide much of how you will treat each other. What all narcissists appear to have in common is their amplification. Everything about them feels a little bigger than your average Joe. When they're around, it's like going to the movies and never having to come back to reality. But see if you agree. Here comes the friendly neighborhood narcissist. So that's the first one of this group. Your friendly neighborhood narcissist usually isn't abusive or deliberately mean in any way. They're just really into themselves and their own talent, job, or thoughts. They can talk about themselves all day and not miss a thing about that conversation. They don't need you personally. They do require your or anybody's full attention, however. Any audience with reverence will do. This species of, I'm putting this in quotes now, benign narcissist forgets you at parties, garnering everyone's attention, which they lap up as if their life depended on it. And it kind of does. They consider you lucky to be with them, the most talented and admired person in this room. I've met musicians, doctors, actors with these traits, and it's so wonderful to be inspired by their assumed greatness. Their boundless and bold energy can be a formidable aphrodisiac. 
Worse yet, in my experience, the passion and talent are objectively real in many cases, which make them intoxicatingly attractive. Even if they cheat, which they often do, it really isn't anything personal. Don't worry. How could it be? They aren't personally attached to anybody. You can't cheat on people you aren't attached to. They merely got caught up in a moment of beauty, political anxiety maybe, drugs, or art. So sorry, it won't happen again. Except it will. But they can seem so disarmingly honest about it that you want to believe it. So you do. You wait around for the next time, many times, and often for a very long time. I'm going to skip a little because I then talk about other ways this friendly neighborhood narcissist, as I call them, uh, shows their characteristics. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to jump to what I'm calling, again, in a very humorous way, the naughty narcissist. And it begins this way. You know who I grew up with and learned to adore? Patrick Swayze, alcoholic, dead. Tom Cruise, Scientology. R. Kelly, pedophile. Johnny Depp, alleged wife beater. Those were the role models back then, and even now in many cases. Even if they were evil, they were considered sexy. Maybe even because they were evil? What follows now is the result of my detective work that should have been performed before all hell broke loose. Instead, it was a string of clues I only put together in hindsight. My examples are, again, male, but as mentioned before, and I do this throughout the book, females are equally as capable of some of these behaviors. I've seen it myself. My most significant narcissistic engagement started like most will, insanely romantic. Notice how I didn't write intensely or beautifully romantic, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Mr. Wright was an old acquaintance of mine from my teens who had recently spotted me on an online networking site. He sent a quick hello message, and at the time I had been enjoying a breezy romance with a lovely younger man, so I wasn't looking for anything serious, as you might say. Not giving it much thought, I sent a quick message back. Within days, we were going back and forth, the pace of the messages picking up speed with each one that followed. My not-yet-obvious-to-me narcissist was a witty writer, brazen, engaging, and me, I was increasingly impressed by just how smart this guy seemed. Nothing about the exchange made me suspicious, however. He had told me right away that he was happily married with one child. I figured no harm in a little social banter while he helps me put together my CV. What's wrong with an old friend helping me out? What could possibly go wrong? Not only was I kidding myself about how harmless all this was, the fact that he was married should have been my first clue. Happily, naively, I ignored it. So that's the one cue is when they're already in a relationship. And I talk a lot now in the following chapters about how you can spot a narcissistic behavior and how you might want to step away from that as long as you still can before all the hormones and the love and everything else starts coming in at full force. So those were the excerpts on the book, The Breakup Call, both last episode and this one. And so it is time for me for now to say a temporary goodbye to Bitch Breathe because with the book promotion and all the other work I do, I will share some of that in the following months. 
it has become clear that, like the title of this very episode or this very podcast, Bitch Breathe, this bitch right here needs to breathe. So I'm going to take this creative pause. I do plan to come back. As mentioned in the previous episode, I'm going to come back with a different format, possibly some similar topics, but no longer in an advisory role, if that's what it even was here. So I want to step away from this seriousness of breakups and I don't want to get ahead of myself. There are so many ways to go with this. I am looking forward to exploring some of those. But the most important thing is to thank you for listening and for sharing so much love and encouragement throughout the last almost three years. If you'd like to write to me, please do so at ricardia at thebreakupcall.com. If you don't have a Kindle, please also let me know and we'll get you on the pre-order list for when the paperback comes out. For now, thank you again. Sending love. Sending love.